Hello everybody, it's Graham Cope with another My Music. I hope you're all well and enjoying your day, wherever you may be, and at whatever time you're listening to this. It's always confusing because the world of the internet means you could be anywhere and at any time, so it's, it's difficult to know what to say, but I hope you are enjoying it. I will be talking to the wonderful Catherine Williams in a minute, but first... Let's have this little video, which by now you've probably seen or heard a million times before, but do enjoy it and do go and have a look at the website afterwards because, frankly, the musicians need your money. like all the best bits of tis was all over again Catherine um, <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful uh, little video that uh, full of um, lovely people doing their thing it's 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 wonderful to see so many independent musicians on independent labels doing so well at the moment do you not think I do think yeah I, uh, Tell me, how much has music changed since you first started writing them and making music? Uh, it's changed a massive amount. Um, when I first started, I put music out on my own label and no one was doing that at the time. Um, there was probably me and Bell and Sebastian and a few punk people. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then I, I signed after the Mercury Music prize nomination I signed to a major label where there was big money and I did three albums with them and then went back onto my own label and then for the last seven or eight albums I've been on one little independent which is Bjork's the label Bjork's on so um, yeah so yeah I've seen I've seen self-release I've been on majors I've been on independents and the world change with streaming and the internet and everything. So yeah, the whole. What did What did you learn from that period with the the major record label? What did you What did you get out of that? In terms of not not necessarily what that did you get out of it in terms of sales or, or or marketing or whatever, but what did you learn from that period of being on a major record label? Um. Well. I learned that I was lucky enough to get a major label deal um, early on in my career, which gave me a foundation to be independent afterwards. And yeah, yeah, it was a really weird time for me because at at that time in my career, I was like really uh, had stage fright. I had imposter syndrome. I just kept thinking someone would tap me on the shoulder and tell me that I didn't have the qualifications to be doing what I was doing. And I think uh, when you're at um, a kind of peak of your career, you don't know that as an artist. So you sort of think that that's the starting blocks and that it will go on. Um, 
and I've been um, gracefully uh, sliding in my decline ever since. <laughs> oh, shush. <laughs> I remember, do you, do you know Martin Joseph, the singer-songwriter? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I remember him telling me once about when he got signed to Sony, I think it was, wasn't it, that he, he signed to. And that was his period on a major record label. It, they they obviously wanted him to be something he wasn't. Um, to start, they, I think they made him wear blusher. Um, <laughs> and, and I think they wanted him to be kind of a, like a, you know, a sort of singer-songwriter, but poppy poster boy as well and it didn't kind of tally did did when you were at a major record label I mean, we obviously don't want to say anything bad about them but did did you were you asked to do anything that you didn't want to do or were you was it intimated that you should be something that you weren't um well it was a little bit different for me because i did a licensing deal from my label right. to the major labor deal and part of that was that i would deliver an album so i had a hundred percent creative control on the album um but then they would do um like radio edits of the singles and do lots of poppy whooshes and things like that they signed me after they signed david gray and they thought that i was going to be that next the female version of him really you know having a career and then taking off with them and um yeah. you know i I'm really lucky because uh, I I successfully failed enough to carry on doing what I was doing, um, but succeeded enough to be able to carry on on my own after. But yeah, it was weird. I mean, like thinking back at the time, I mean, Jasmine Hoop, the single first single that they put out, mm. I think they spent something like a hundred and fifty grand on the video. And they had a train and a crane and we were in Prague. And, and you know, I think now about the records that I make for like five or 10, 15 grand and how much I could do creatively with that money from one single. And it was so also... Did you have some moments where you were like, what on earth am I doing here? Um, all the time. I mean, I would go to the, I would go to the offices in, in, in London and I'd tell the I'd tell the receptionist I was there and then I'd be sat there for, I remember once I sat in the reception for like an hour and she hadn't told anyone I was there and the MD who was the one that signed me to East West Records came downstairs and was like what are you doing and I was like oh I thought they told you I was here so it was very corporate and I kind of always felt that they could be selling anything. And that's a really different sort of um, psyche to independent labels where people are there because they love the music. Yeah. Now, listen, I've got I've got to stop for one minute just to to point out the, the drawing on the wall behind you, because that's fantastic. Um, who, who did that? I was, yeah, I, I, well, I did an art degree before I went into music and actually what's really weird now is I get loads of commissions. So I paint a lot. I paint, um, for people and yeah, I've just done a couple of paintings for Ed Harcourt who produced the last album. Talking of the last album, there it is. Uh, for anyone that hasn't seen it. Um, 
what what happened there you would you you were out in the shower i mean this is this is what happens to me when i walk over the road to tesco's um, <laughs> that that is actually when i was recording the record i took uh, i had a shower and that's a selfie i took in ed's bathroom when i just got out the bath um and then i i thought oh fuck it that'll do <laughs> no, i love that as actually, I was reading a very similar story from Anne-Marie. I don't know whether you know Anne-Marie, the pop princess, but I was reading a very similar story from her yesterday about the fact that, um, and actually, she was talking about the fact that the, the first couple of albums, everybody was trying to get her to look very perfect. And, you know, there, there was even focus on what colour her nails were and how good they were in the photos or whatever. And there's a the photo... Of her latest album, which um, actually we've probably got it around here somewhere. Hold on, right? There we are. So that you can look at the similarities. Look, there we go. Um, <laughs> uh, it was her pushed up against her her shower door, and she just wanted to say, "This is me on this album." There was there was an element of you know saying saying something in particular with having the the hair in the in the bedraggled state. Yeah, well. I, I don't know. When I was on the majors, it was quite hilarious because they had like loads of stylists and the stylists would take me to shops and bring like, you know, rails and rails of clothes. And they soon realised that anything that they put on me within 15 minutes, it looked like I'd shopped in a charity shop and they could just leave me to just buy So why not just let you shop in the charity shop? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favourite places to buy clothes, actually, in a charity shop, and, 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 and why not? You you said about earlier, and it was a, it was a joke, it was tongue-in-cheek, you said about a slow decline, but actually this is probably the best album you've ever made, in yeah, my opinion. Me too. Um, because you experiment with your sound so much more on this album than you've done before what what was it something about working with ed that inspired that or ju just were you at the right point in your career that you oh, just man. wanted to sonically open up a lot more well i'd the last release i had before that was the anthology box set and it was um it had a book of lyrics and like another book in it and 20 cds there was 10 albums and then 10 bonus albums and it felt like that was it's doing very well on ebay by the way at the moment for... it, it, it's actually uh it's really hard to get now there's been isn't like, it yeah yeah because yeah, yeah some people are selling it for a fortune on ebay so. yeah yeah well there's only a finite amount of them so um but yeah so i felt like i wanted to come back after that sort of collection um you know and just really go for it ed is a massive part of how the sound is he's a genius i worked with him on the album hypoxia um a few years back and that was much more sort of uh claustrophobic and it had some weird elements but it was much more small this is like widescreen it's got strings and like loops and samples and um yeah i just always i i did i do have like arguments with uh the label and people because they say you know you just get people interested in the sound that you're doing and then you change. So I've done I've done albums of um, 
like I, I did a jazz album with a vibraphone player i've done a kids punk album you know i'm uh it's strange because if you people don't hear my music they hear my name and they think folk and the folk world don't really think I'm folk and the pop world think I'm folk. So I kind of fall down the back of the sofa with, you know, all those fluffy bits and pennies. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it a bit old fashioned for a label to think like that these days? I mean, it, it, you know, I don't know, so many. I don't know. The thing is, so many of the young artists that I'm talking to are coming up through the ranks at the moment you know saying to me they want to specifically right from the word go they want to label themselves as gender uh, not gender fluid um genre fluid and that they want to they do not want to be defined in any particular genre of music and and to that end they will try and make every single song seem different etc if that's what they want to do I just I just wonder whether it's you know harking back to a different time when actually we we needed to put everything into a into a category in order to actually talk about it. Well, I think there's two prongs to that question for answers. I think one of the answers is there's with with streaming and the way everything is um genreed. I think uh people are doing the opposite of what you're saying. I think people feel that they need to be classified because um, this... Although the nobody way... ever goes in the right genre. No, but, but the playlist, the playlist sort of society and like um, identity of artists is all tied into streaming and the genre. So I think that that, that's a difficult thing like where do you fit within that sort of category world because it's so kind of um it's like little digital letterboxes of where mm. people are placed um and that's how you find other people you know if you like this artist you might like this artist and you don't have the natural thing of going to a record shop and just flicking through records and picking something up on a whim not knowing what it is generally everyone can hear something and make their decision from one song um but the other thing the other prong that i was thinking about is the i think a lot of people are so fixated on the product that they're um they're bypassing the magic of the creative process and i think that if if you're starting to write a song, you need to be led by the song and you are often surprised at what that turns out to be. Um, and if you're trying to constrict or confine what a song is before the process or during the process, then it, it, it it's not letting the song breathe and be what it wants to be. Um, and I tend to now just enjoy and focus on the the act of creation and the creative process so that you know i get a nice surprise at the end as well with the song you know it's mm. like having a child you know you can you can be pregnant and think that your baby's gonna be you know amazing and beautiful and do all that stuff but they are who they are you know you're just the 
they're not you they're what they're what you make oh tell me about it i've got five children and you, you when you have that many children you realize that actually it you, you just do not understand the dna the dna connection to how they then turn up you but you bring them all up in a, in effect in the same way but they all have so different quirks they all have so different personalities you you you, you try and rationalize it and you go well as as people do with music really they try and go well maybe it's that box and you try and say well maybe that's from grandma maybe that's from grand maybe it's from here but actually you can't do it because it's and that's where musicians come from if they're open is that they will you know you're you're absorb so much music as a listener as well it will come from here it will come from there it will come from having this life experience or whatever you can't you can't really tell exactly where it's come from in the end because it's come from such a mishmash of places. Yeah. And and the the song itself, I do a lot of co-writing and writing with other artists around the world and like it's a learn it it's a learning well, every day's a school day really, because if I'm writing with an artist it's not going to be the same as writing with another artist or with myself. So it's just being open enough and like keeping your ego in check enough to know what you don't know and be excited and go with someone's idea and see where it takes you and keep an eye on the sort of... Um, the little things that you have, the instincts that you have from writing for like 20 odd years and tweaking. But I mean, it's so psychologically and emotionally fulfilling when you're trying to get out something from an artist and you're taken somewhere. I mean, I, I always feel like every time I sit down to write a song, I'm never going to write a song again. I don't know what I'm doing. But I think that that's a really good place to come from. Yeah, I look, I think most people that are in a creative profession, doesn't matter whether it's music or whether it's, you know, writing or, 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 or you know, even creating stuff online, uh, have some form of, I don't know whether I like the word imposter syndrome, but some kind of confidence of crisis on a regular basis, because, you know, it, it, the thing is that we're, and that's good in a way, isn't it? Because it's how you deal with that. That's the important thing. Yeah. And over the years, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not become like a self depreciating thing anymore. It's just that I don't really trust anyone who has, absolute assuredness of what they think like i think doubt is is a really healthy thing um and questioning is a really healthy thing and being aware that you can't know everything in one lifetime yeah yeah no totally get that it, it, it sickens me a little bit sometimes online where people are like it's all about mindset you can know you know as long as you follow this you'll be you know strength of will means that you you think well actually look you know over the years how how do we progress if we progress at all as humans is by by questioning and by having conversation and by listening 
and realizing that we're not necessarily our viewpoint isn't necessarily right and every single day i have another conversation with someone where i say well have we actually considered how the other person feels have we had a conversation where we're actually thinking about how this impacts them and it's like oh no well also uh create the the creative arts aren't the same as sport you know it's not um it's not a competitive um it's not a competitive world well i mean people put you up to be competitive and i remember early on the 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 conversations with people who would be like oh you could be the next beth orton or you could be the next alanis morissette and i was like at the time thinking oh right so there's room for one and you have yeah. to knock the other one off the top of the podium in order yeah, can't to i be, be the, the next, next catherine williams please yeah. yeah well well more than that that like that it, it was a competition and now I have so many friends in music who we support each other and it's not about, it's not a race. Uh, we each have something. I think the, there's, there's a problem with trying to think that there has to be a winner. <laughs> yeah, massively. In fact, I'm going to introduce you to another one of those people. I'm going to give you a new friend uh, before I say goodbye to you today. We'll do it off air. But I, I interviewed someone the other day and I know that you're you'll love her to death because um she's wanting to perhaps get into the, the, the song writing um uh workshop type space as well. And she has a lovely abode in Devon, in the middle of a woods, which is owned by her mum, in a in a cabin, which is where she lives, um, with lots of space for songwriters. And I said, well, You pro we're probably uh, you know introduce you um because i know i know people like polly and hannah would love that as well and you could you could probably all go and make lovely music together there because it just looked wonderful um i saw you i saw you online um from purbeck the other day i mean how was that it was amazing i did two shows i did one songwriter circle with romeo stoddart and michelle stoddart where we talked about the creative process and we each did a song and we did some songs together because I've written with both of them. Um, and then I did my band show, which was like the full band doing the songs from uh, Night Drives. And it was, it was, it was quite overwhelming because there was a lot of people when we were sound checking and then it just was more and more and more. And um, people were really into it, and we got like a stand innovation at the end. So that felt good. That is good. That is good. Now, um, it's interesting that you mentioned that this is one little Indian because um, there was one track on there where I felt you were actually channeling your own Bjork. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and you would certainly are playing a lot more with your voice. Was that, that something you've? wanted to do for a while is, is play around with your voice and I was going to ask you actually because the first time I heard one of your records back in 2002 I think it was um what struck me was wow this this voice is really interesting because it's you've got quite a quiet voice in a way you've got quite a soft voice and yet dare I say it that a lot of people that have had a, a softer quieter voice like you will then have 
sort of gilded it with you know the lily underneath and made everything so soft and saccharine underneath that actually it just becomes like a mushy mess but you've always put something underneath your voice that's made your voice more interesting yeah, in a nice. great way. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying by that? I think, yeah, I think stop digging. <laughs> no, I think it's good. Um, so what's the question? Uh, so, yeah, A, on this album, have you deliberately tried to extend your voice and, and try different things with your voice? Because I feel that you have. And B... In terms of your own voice, which is 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 a beautiful voice, have have you over the years deliberately tried to create kind of a juxtaposition sometimes with the music and the voice? Because I think you've done that incredibly well. I think you've played to your strengths. Yeah, well, I'm not really that interested in the saccharine kind of thing, and. I was managed by Alan McGee for like eight years and he was always saying, hey, Catherine, you're not folk. I would say like you're Nirvana unplugged. <laughs> and he would, um, and I really liked that about him that like he could see that just because my voice was sort of quiet didn't mean that I didn't have a punk heart. Um, and I think that I'm really interested in just delivering the songs that come out and making sure that the the lyrics are delivered in a way that paint a picture in someone's mind. That's my aim. Yeah, I th you, it works. That's the main thing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, it's, I just I think everybody as as a singer everybody has moments where they perhaps think oh i wish my voice was like that you know i wish or i wish i could do this with my voice have you had those moments over the years have you ever looked and thought oh you know i wish you know i could perhaps do that with my voice as well so that i could i could do this with it um no i think it's i think it's too late to it's too late to be anyone else like I often feel like that if I've been booked for a gig and I'm not sure if it's like the right booking for a gig and just before I go on stage I say to myself it's too late to be anyone else I've just got to be me yeah what was it what was the worst situation you ever had gig wise like that I mean I can I can recall that for myself we we were booked uh uh live City Hall, if you've ever been there and played there, it holds quite a few people. Um, and we were headlining what was effectively a, a punk parade. Um, and we weren't, we were kind of jingly jangly indie pop. Uh, and it was a complete disaster. And I did want to get out of there. <laughs> I can recall two. Uh, one was being booked for a very sort of traditional folk festival. And we got up with the full band and um, there was people putting their hands over their ears and shaking their heads at me while I was singing. That was hard. Really? And then, yeah. Oh. And then another one, which was kind of hilarious, was my agent booked me for um, the Eden Project. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm playing the Eden Project. Like, you know, 
PJ Harvey's done that. Like Radiohead have done that. This yeah, is amazing. Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I got there, and at the time I was promoting the Hypoxia album, which was um, inspired and a commission to write an album to to commemorate Sylvia Plath, and it was written all around her novel The Bell Jar. So it was quite dark. That is dark, got, yeah. Yeah, and we got there, and um, we got to the Eden Project, and he'd booked me on to <laughs> a Cornish pasty festival. Um, so, and everyone else who was on the bill were Cornish, and then the there was just like loads of hay bales out, and loads of kids running round hay bales, and there was me and the band playing like earnestly. Ballad. Songs yeah. about Sylvia Plath at a pasty festival. So that's probably the weirdest one, yeah. Oh, I but, love stories like that. You just you just think, yeah, on occasions like that, I, th I think you can only just close your eyes and be in the moment for yourself yeah. uh, uh, on occasions like that. There's nothing else for it. I think Caitlin Moran said, said that um, in those situations, you just have to say this is going to be a good anecdote one day. And that's like how you. And have it to just was. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic! What? What? I got to ask. I mean, you said you said very briefly what it was like. You know that it's been fantastic working with Ed. What? He seems to be very busy at the moment. He seems yeah. to be wanting to play on everybody's album or or helping write everybody's album. Do you do you feel that? If we can just talk for a minute about him, do you feel like he's at a point in his career where he has to, do, he needs to do that? You know, just from working with him, do you feel like he's, um, I don't know, is, is, is he having a, 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 a special moment in his life where, you know, this is what he needs to do? Well, Ed is one of the most talented, multi talented people. I know I don't sort of ever usually say the genius word, but I mean, I've known him a long time. I've written with him and, and I've had him produce my records. He's got his own studio now where um, at the back of where he lives. So he can do a lot more producing. He does he does more pro produ production. He works with like some really big names, but he can he can engineer, he can produce, he can write. I mean, the string arrangements on the new album, he sat and hand wrote them on the kitchen table. He's the best piano player I've ever met. He can play drums, he can play bass, he can play guitar, he can play synth, he can play trumpet, trombone. I mean, he is just, you would cut him open and you would see minor seventh chords. <laughs> And on top of that, he's like, he's he's a champion and he's a really good friend. And there's been times when I've been low and he has, you know, called me up and vice versa. And we've just supported each other. Um, yeah, I have nothing bad to say about Ed. And I think his instrumental albums, um, Monochrome to Colour especially, uh, are just they're like amazing symphonic records that you know and he makes he, he does film soundtracks and yeah i mean he's really hard to get a hold of to work for 
you know, to work with because he's so good and I'm just lucky enough that I'm a friend so he fits me in. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's a special thing. Ed, if you're listening at all at any stage, uh, you know, I'm, I, I hope you've been touched. I'm sure you will have been uh, by that. What, uh, what comes next for Catherine Williams? Uh, I mean, after this, which is fantastic, I have to say. Absolutely love that album. Uh, what what comes next? Where, where where do you have you started writing again? Have you uh, have you put pen yeah. to paper at all? So um, I've just got the masters back from Abbey Road on a project I've been doing called Wilson Williams, which is with this guy Dan Wilson from the band Withered Hand. Oh and yes. that's going to come out on on one little indie next year. Um, because he's just was, released this year his first for, major album for about 10 years, is that right? Exactly, yeah. 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 I'm a massive fan of his writing. So, yeah, we've written the whole album together and we perform it all together. And we had an amazing band. We had like Chris Drever, uh, Chris Geddes from Bell and Sebastian. We had wow. Louis Abbott from Admiral Fallow. Um, we had... Uh, um, Graham Smiley from um, oh what are they called that really cool band uh, Arab Strap um, yeah so we've uh, it, that was amazing we made that up in Leith in Edinburgh and I'm going into the studio for my solo record with uh, a producer called Leo Abrahams who's amazing and actually he started out working with ed harcourt so there's like nice connections there so i've got those two albums and then i've got an album that's nearly finished with michelle stoddart and yeah i think that's i think that's it at the moment music wise and you're doing some shows with polly as well oh, yeah so a month-long tour september through and october with my dear dear friend Polly Paulsma and um, that's going to be really nice because it'll be like two two gigs for the price of one we're each going to do a set a solo set and then come back on together and play some songs together and I just love Polly we've written together quite a bit and um, yeah that's what I mean about the support thing and music like I, I, I can name 10 people off the top of my head in music who are doing the same job as me who support me and are there at the other end of the phone and vice versa and it yeah. just makes life a lot better and so yeah. we're gonna be off on the road just the two of us in a little van um, that, that sounds to me as though that could be like quite two cheeky little schoolgirls actually oh, yeah. mm. We were you saying know. that we're thinking it's going to be like Thelma and Louise without the cliff. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I, ex yeah. I expect to see you broadcast from the van at some point because I, I know you both like to, to, to broadcast. And actually, the bits and pieces I've seen from the two of you together, you've got a lovely chemistry. Um, I was going to ask you about that. In terms of that and, you know, thinking about what you were saying earlier about how you kind of cut across the noise and um, when everything's, you know, curated into these different genres. I mean, one of the ways that people have done that is by producing other types of content, which 
have a different metadata so therefore people find that content first and then they find out of that they find people and and you know things like podcasts or or little conversation content between musicians is one really good way of doing that do, do you ever see yourself doing something well, like that well i just finished the third series of my podcast which is called before the light goes out yes and that and that was put in the Times top ten best music podcasts. Um, and that's but what about you and Polly? Yeah, could you? Yeah, at some stage, maybe. Me and Polly do a podcast. Yeah, because I think that would be great. Yeah, it would. Yeah, she's 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 on the um, she's on one of the episodes of Before the Light Goes Out. Polly and I are in talks about doing a nice project together, which isn't music but is all about music. Um, and she's she had a a like clever book out all about music and Angela Carter and I had my novel that came out a couple of years ago, so yeah. And we've tutored together at Arvon, so doing songwriting. I think collaboration, in the broader sense of the word, not necessarily like you know collaboration as some artists would see it in terms of like I I will do this bit on your album or whatever but collaborating with the as you say your friends and the the broader art world around you is definitely a a wonderful space to be in and you seem to have you have a wonderful set of friends around you that you know make your life really interesting don't they yeah yeah and um collaboration is like a uh a bigger and bigger thing for me i used i think i a long time ago, I would want people to know that I had written this song and written it alone. And now um, I'm really excited and happy to work with people and celebrate what they've brought to things. Because mm. in a way, that raises up the, the, the end result. Yeah, it lifts more. everything. And, and you, you're learning from the other person. Yeah. Well, I've learned from you today. <laughs> I, I learned I need to be very careful with my words just because I certainly wasn't insulting your voice. I love your voice to death. <laughs> uh, it's just pulling your leg. I don't mind. But, but, you know, I just I just think it's I think it's interesting to make people think about. What, you know, that what their voice is like and, and how it and how it, you know, for me, as I say, I think you've you've been one of the artists for me who's been really good at writing the right songs to go with your voice oh thanks but that's all right because i think there's a lot of people that do it wrong you know yeah yeah <laughs> and and yeah perhaps we'll leave it there because we could get uh we could get sued uh so um no, no it's I, been i like to be more of um a champion and a cheerleader now than a a critic i I leave all of that stuff to the critics and just encourage them to create there's there's enough of those Catherine. we don't need uh don't need any more listen it's been a pleasure talking to you today um i hope people have enjoyed this conversation if and it could happen uh, there are people that have heard this today as it goes out or listen to this over the next week and you've never heard Catherine's music before. What rock have you been under? Um, uh, but uh, and there goes the dog in the background. I'm sorry about that, but you know it's that it's that time of the day. 
Um, but please do go and check out Catherine's music now. This is the time to do it. You've you've heard her speak. You know her a little bit better. If you if you feel like you've enjoyed her company for the last half now, you you owe it to her really to go and check it out and do pay some money uh, because uh, as I say, every single one of these, Catherine, uh, unbelievably, the the dot in the corner of the room that emits that music. It, it it doesn't just get there for you know for nothing people actually have to pay money to you know go in studios and pay musicians and all of that sort of thing so please do actually pay some money and go and see uh Catherine on tour as well uh do you know when the first one of those is uh it's in glasgow on the 16th of september and then it runs all the way through to the 15th of october and we're up and down the whole country and um we're very we're very nice and polly and i both give good hugs at the merch table you see that's that's a beautiful thing you know it's the but it's the way to go don't hide around the back and let somebody else do the merch table do the merch table yourself actually you know get to get to meet some people and that that's a wonderful thing people if you if you go you can uh, you can actually meet Catherine and polly in person and have a have a wonderful chat about uh, their music you've been a, an absolute star thanks for coming on oh, uh, thank you if you've enjoyed this please do subscribe uh it, it's not for me i don't even care um it's for the people that come on that's they're the important people um so it's for people like Catherine. um if you haven't enjoyed this today then you've listened to it anyway and it's actually been an instructional video on how to uh, buy digital first class stamps um, until next time thanks for watching my music with me graham cove and Catherine williams bye for now